Hello and welcome to another very special episode of The Paranormal Sun, coming to you live from Tower Studios. As always, I'm your host, JT, and I'll be your tour guide as we explore the unexplained. Well, good morning, everyone. I hope that you're doing well. I hope that you've enjoyed yourself this week, that work hasn't been too onerous, and that you're getting back in the flow for 2021. Down here, it's uh, cooled off a bit. We've had a good bit of showers and rain and high winds, so yeah, it's been good to have a bit of a breather from the heat. I've just been enjoying myself. I've been relaxing and watching some TV, playing some PlayStation, and I've been doing an awful lot uh, in and around the podcast. So I've done several things in the background. I also spent around eight hours today talking to other podcasters uh, over the airwaves so yeah my voice might be a bit blown but that's okay i'm enjoying myself yeah all the other stuff has to be done all the editing and all of the general housekeeping all the things that we have to do to keep our shows going keep our shows growing and just getting them out there but the fun bit is always having those conversations with people who are in this like-minded field whether it's the paranormal or just podcasting in general I think I speak for most podcasters that this is what we really enjoy, is having these conversations. So folks, um, we are back to covering over the CIA documents, so that's what this episode will be about. And I've just got a very few quick uh, shout-outs to get through. First and foremost, um, a friend of mine on Facebook who does a podcast called Excelsior Journeys. His name's George. And George has been so kind to send me an invite to Clubhouse, so thank you very much, George. For those of you who don't know, Clubhouse is basically an invite-only, iOS or Apple product-only app, and it's also only audio, so it's perfect for podcasters. And getting invited is quite difficult. I mean, there are people paying a lot of money to get on the platform, and George was kind enough to send me an invite, so thank you very much, George. I do appreciate it. And I've got to get through listening some of George's episodes. He's had some excellent guests just looking at the episodes. So again, George, thank you so much for that. The second shout out is to someone on Instagram who is a friend of mine, uh, Skinwalker Ranch Memes. And excellent page, does a lot on the Skinwalker stuff, posts a lot of things, but also a very supportive person who has listened to a lot of my com content and has supported me. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for your excitement about me covering these CIA files. It is something that, like I say, I found fascinating, and so I thought, surely there are going to be other people that want to know what's going on with this. It's a cool little series. It's nice to have something in between seasons, but at the same time, it's also a little bit of a deviation from the norm, which is always good. You know, it's good to shake things up and do things a little bit different now and then. So, yeah, it's something that uh, I enjoyed doing that first episode. And like I said, I had a few aha moments running into some of those files. So, again, we're just going to start hoeing through them tonight. Uh, last show I did five, and we'll see how many I do tonight. But it basically comes down to keeping the episode in kind of like that 30 to 45-minute sweet spot. I don't want to overwhelm you with a super long episode. But at the same time, I want to make sure that if you're going to listen... That, you know, it's not just 10 minutes of me reading a couple files and maybe we don't find anything interesting. I don't have any updates for you um, regarding the first episode 
document where I contacted the person that I told you I feel is a real specialist in the Russian and USSR UFO phenomenon. I couldn't find him anywhere. And basically, I just had to go on his YouTube page and say, hey, can you get in touch with me? So we'll see. We'll see if I hear from him. If I do, I would be really interested to see his input on this file because, again, it's really interesting. And this person, to me, is the expert in the field on this. We'll just see, like I say, how we go. And if I do hear back from him, I'll make sure to tell you who it is. Now, I do have one last uh, shout out. Thank you that I forgot about. And that's to everyone listening. As always, man, thank you, everyone who listens to the program, takes the time to listen takes the time to comment on Instagram and Facebook and everywhere else. You are really the wind in my sails. You're what allows me to keep doing this show and keeps my confidence up. I was talking to a very close friend of the show, Scott, at the Old 7-7 podcast earlier tonight. We had a bit of a reminiscing session and just sat back and had a good yak. We were talking about how funny life's journey is. And like I said, folks, a year ago, there's no way I would think I would be doing this and that you would be enjoying what I'm doing and giving me your support. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much, everyone who takes the time to listen all over the world. It does mean the world to me. With those things all being said, uh, the only other thing is if you want to follow the show, the best way to do it is to go to the Instagram page. So just search The Paranormal Sun. There's a hyphen between each word, The Paranormal Sun, the um, downstep hyphen. I don't know how else to say it. I'm sorry. But if you just search The Paranormal Sun, it should come up and you'll see the show logo. If you go into my profile there, there's a link. And if you click on that, it will take you to basically a site that's got everything. It's got the website. It's got merchandise. It's got PayPal. It's got Patreon. You name it. You can find anything you want to know about the show, including the mailing address. So that is the best way to find me. Uh, you can go to theparanormalsun.com. That's the website. And that is the program's website. And as long as I can keep paying for it, I'll have it there. So with those things being covered over, now it's time to get into another set of the CIA release files that were released on the Black Vault. And again, a very quick rehash for those of you who don't know, there is a website called The Black Vault, which was done by John Greenwald. And he's been posting stuff online since the 90s. Files, CIA, uh, FBI, you name it, all kinds of excellent stuff. And it's a real clearinghouse for, yes, for, for official files, but also for conspiracy theories, people's thoughts on different things. And it is an amazing resource. If this is the kind of stuff you love and you want to go down the rabbit hole, then go there. Just the Black Vault. And you'll know you get there because it's always got things like CIA files and UFOs right on the front. You can't miss it. But full credit to John and all of his hard work for getting these files for us to be able to consume. So, like I say, I'm going to get into it and we'll see how many we get through and get a good episode out of. We'll do at least five and then we'll go from there. Okay, so here we are, folks, with the first document for this episode. And this one has got a serial number at the top, as a lot of the other ones do. And then there's quite a bit of kind of backslash stuff. But looking through there, I always glance through it and see if there's something there that is pertinent. And there is a line here. 
And this line says, R-U-H-H-A-E-A slash N-A-I-C, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, Ohio. Okay, folks, so again, we've had this talk, and a lot of people who know this, there are certain bases that supposedly UFO crashed and retrieved objects went to these certain bases. So it's claimed that the UFO that crashed at Roswell first went uh, to an Air Force base in Texas, which I just can't remember off the top of my head, and then it ended up going on to Wright-Patterson. Now, also in this list, there are several other things, but I do notice, I'm just flipping through here, so you've got one that's titled Giza, Fort Bragg, North Carolina. There's one titled uh, Fort George, uh, Meade, Maryland. Um, and these are some big bases, and a lot of them have tie-ins to things like um, biological warfare. So like I said, you got Wright-Patterson, you've got Kelly Air Force Base in Texas. Now again, I could be wrong, but off the top of my head, I believe Kelly may have been the base where the UFO was supposedly the crash disc went from Roswell to, to Kelly onto Wright-Patterson. Now I may have that wrong, but I do remember it was an Air Force Base in Texas was the first stop. So now just scrolling down a bit and it says topic international political country united kingdom subject take two of two european press review for 24th of april and if we get to the year i'll try and cite that but i'm just not seeing the year here off the top of my head uh, or sorry just at glancing at the page not off the top of my head okay so 24th of april Jakovnik's narrow victory, it looks like. So it looks like this is a copy of Monitoring the BBC. Uh, source, uh, Caversham BBC Monitoring in English, 24th of April. So text, text, the Daily speaks about a Pyrrhic victory, which signals a great deal of trouble ahead for the Balkans. Okay, so I would think maybe this is in the late 90s. If Montenegro goes independent, it says all other separatist movements and undercurrents so typical for the Balkans might emerge. Yugoslavia will cease to exist, and so will its president, Vojislav Kostunica. Uh, Kostunica. So if I'm getting that wrong, folks, again, you know I always try my best to pronounce these things. Please don't flame me if I mispronounce his name. On whom Western politicians have pinned their hopes. I've never heard of this guy. That also makes it difficult to pronounce his name. Thus, PRACA warns the Western politicians who used to back Djukanovic uh, uh, separatism are reaping the benefits of what they sowed, for in the new situation there has come about in the Balkans, the division of Yugoslavia could have fatal consequences. Um, Mr. Fixit, ahead of the presentation by the French government on Tuesday of new measures aimed at the tightening up of the economic legislation, Notably regarding redundancies in a context of a big job loss announcement, the Daily Liberation carries a cartoon of Jospin, which covers two-thirds of its front page headlined, Redundancies, Jospin Fixes the Prices. It shows the Prime Minister surrounded by huge taps bearing the names of big companies, such as Marks & Spencer, Danone, and Dim, which have recently announced closing plans in France. People are pouring from the taps into a large protesting crowd that a barefooted and unstudied Jospin is attempting to cross, taking the biscuit in Hungary. The Budapest Daily Megar Hirlap reflects on what it calls perhaps Hungary's first close encounter with globalization. 
the planned closure of an otherwise profitable local biscuit factory by the French multinational food group Danone. Okay, so this is from July 2020 is when it was approved for release. So this stuff, this is what was happening in, in not 2020. Again, sorry, folks, getting ahead of myself. July 2002. Now, again, it just goes to show I realize that this is kind of the CIA's thing is to track what's going on in the world. But it is interesting that, man, it's like they've just they're just watching everybody and they're just watching everything. Some of these things I get um, are pretty big news, but a lot of it is fairly mundane, small stuff on a national basis, not on an international scope. And yet here they are monitoring away. The problem's global nature is also reflected by the fact that Hungary is not alone with its problem. Danone has also announced similar closures in France, Belgium, the Netherlands, and Italy, the paper says. Referring to the old traditions of the Hungarian biscuit factory as part of the national culture, the paper says the plan might be justified in business terms, but certainly not in social terms. In the light of large-scale protests by employees and sympathetic consumers, the paper even questions the business rationale behind the decision. It is doubtful whether the outrage will not have a fatal impact on Danone. Now, interestingly, here we go. Here is our UFO snippet. And this is quite interesting because it's just, it's got like an asterisk next to it. And it says UFO sector in recession. Now, again, this was 2002. I saw an article not too long ago that was written in 2018. And it was saying how people aren't seeing UFOs anymore. But I'll tell you what, there's been a hell of an explosion the last two years, uh, 2019 and 2020, so they're not going away. So, UFO sector in recession. At a time when international groups such as Danone and Mark and Spencer have announced closing plans which have given rise to strong protests in France, the French Le Figaro decries another closure, but in Britain this time. So, you've got UFO sector, and then you've got that. And now we're back to the UFOs, so it's quite interesting here. It's kind of almost weaved in together. The very official British Flying Saucer Bureau has stopped its celestial activities after half a century at the service of UFOs, the paper says in a kind of pamphlet on today's world. But this time, profits have nothing to do with it. So again, now, there we are, back to the France. So I'm going to skip over that bit, and here's another bit of the UFO. So it's every other paragraph is about UFOs. One must know that the flying saucer sector is in recession. It says, quoting figures, The 1,500 ufologists working for the Bureau used to report about 30 UFOs a year, and today nothing, nothing at all. Well, that's not the case anymore. According to the head of the Bureau, the reason is probably that our cousins from over planets have finished their scientific program of exploration. Uh, yeah, well, they've been sighted for... Hundreds and thousands of years, strange things in the sky. I highly doubt they're done. And then there's just the typical wrap-up here at the bottom saying that it's copyrighted. It's from the BBC. So this is uh, document number six. Now, for those of you who may be listening to this for the first time, what I'm going to do is I'll read the document, and then I'm just giving it a very arbitrary number for myself. So if you said to me, hey, JT, you were talking about this. If you give me the document number, in your question so let's say you comment on social media or you send me an email if you go hey in document five you were talking about blah 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 then i can refer back to it and i'm happy to send you that document if i know which one you're asking for but there's something like 2800 of these i might not get through all of them but i'm gonna read through a fair bit of them so it's gonna be very difficult for me to know what the hell we're talking about and make sure we stay on the same page without some kind of numbering system
So this is document six. Right. So on to document seven. And this one is a little bit different. So this is looks like a typed letter. And it's got an address at the top, 1424 33rd Street, Northwest Washington, D.C., 25th November, 1959. Dr. Thornton Page, Department of Astronomy at Wellian University, Middletown, Connecticut. Dear Dr. Page, I was very interested in your letter of November the 19th regarding the freshman papers on the subject of UFOs. I've checked with my people here who have followed this subject, and they would be very much interested in having a chance to look these papers over. I am not at all sure what we could ultimately do with them, and in any case, I would suggest that if you mention the papers being sent to Washington, you not identify the agency. I'll finish off, folks. I'm biting my tongue right now not to say something. But simply indicate that they are being reviewed by a part of the National Defense Establishment. After we have had a chance to see the papers, I will write you further concerning them. Thank you very much for bringing this matter to my attention. Sincerely, Philip G. Strong. And this was approved for release on the 2nd of two, 2002, so I'd say the month of February 2002. Okay, folks, I'm going to be brutally honest. First off, I'd never heard of Philip G. Strong. Secondly, if I'm being honest, it sounds like a made-up name to me. But due to the magic of editing, check this out, folks. So I googled Philip G. Strong, and this is the first thing that came up, which was an article from the New York Times uh, from 1971. General Philip Strong, expert on U-2 dies. Brigadier General Philip G. Strong, who retired from the Marine Corps Reserve in 1964 and earlier had participated in the development of the U-2 re reconnaissance aircraft, died in Washington on November 12th. General Strong, who is buried in Arlington Cemetery, with full military honors, was 71 years old. Okay, so he fits the age. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit, and this is where it gets interesting. Later, he was assistant chief of staff in the intelligence section at the San Diego Marine Base. In 1946, General Strong went on active duty and became head of the intelligence acquisition and distribution dis division in the Office of Special Assistance for Intelligence to the Secretary of State. General Strong was transferred to the CIA in 1950 and held senior positions until his retirement, which was 1964, remember? While at the intelligence agency, he was involved in the innovative concepts of revolutionary recon, reconnaissance vehicles, which led to the development of U-2 spy planes. So I would say that this is the man that wrote that letter, memorandum, whatever you want to call it. And look, it's freaking interesting because this is a guy who knew his stuff. Uh, he was involved in the U-2. He fought in World War II. Again, here we go. Second document, and we have got a very interesting document. We've all heard these tales of people being asked to send things to Washington or people turning up and going, we need these documents. We want to send them back to Washington. And here is this letter saying, um, I suggest if you send it to me, and I'd like you to, basically... Don't tell anyone who you're sending it to, because then again, when you go to try and get it back, when they lose it or say, well, we never got that, they're just going to say you're crazy. I mean, it's this is freaking CIA and intelligence um, operations 101 from everything we've seen throughout the years. 
these documents, as I'm going through them, it's like so many of them just corroborate things that people have said in the past and have been called batshit crazy for saying and being told, oh, you're making up these conspiracy theories. That's not how it works. And oh, the CIA wouldn't do that. And here we go. It's I, I look, this has been awesome already. I've only done so that's that is the seventh document I've read, and it's already of value to me. It's already shown me that there's definitely stuff here that is very important. So yeah, folks, interesting one. And I will put a link to that um, obituary article uh, about General Strong, so you can go there and check it out if you would like. So here we are, folks. Now we are on to number eight. And this one is uh, Subject Take All, Press Service Log, Xinghua English, so... Looks like it's from China, 07 December, so I'd say the 7th of December, Pearl Harbor anniversary, ironically. Um, and again, if I get the date further down, I'll, I'll update that for you. So it's got down here, full text, Superzona message, UAE launching major drive against drugs, Abu Dhabi, December 6, the United Arab Emirates, UAE is launching a two-week campaign against drugs. Uh, dun, dun, dun. Some of this is a bit gibberish. U.S. to continue to back peace talks. Amman, so that's Jordan, December 6th. U.S. Secretary of State Warren Christopher said here today that the U.S. will continue to try to build up international support for the Middle East peace negotiations. Iran appeals for international aid to refugees. Tehran, December 6th. Iran today appealed for international organizations and foreign countries to offer humanitarian aid to Aziri refugees in the approaching winter. Perez, Arafat to meet in Spain to bridge gaps. Jerusalem, December 6th, Israeli Foreign Minister Shimon Perez will reportedly meet PLO Chairman Yasser Arafat in Spain on Wednesday in an attempt to bridge differences, blocking progress in the current Israeli-PLO negotiations in Egypt. So, off the top of my head, Arafat's been dead at least like 15, 20 years. So this is probably in the early 2000s or late 90s. Turkish police bus, two networks of PKK, which I want to say that's like the Kurdish separatist group that wanted to break off from Turkey. Istanbul police in Istanbul and Ankara have busted two networks, yep, of the outlawed Kurdish Workers' Party. I knew that sounded familiar. And caught 33 suspects along with their explosives and uniforms. Istanbul police sources said um, China development should top world agenda United Nations. China hopes that an agenda for development will help restore the question of development to the top of the world agenda and instill new energy into the international cooperation for development. A Chinese representative said here today, London market closing rates following our major market closing rates in London, three currencies, pound sterling, US dollar, blah, 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 blah. Now, uh, here we go. Uh, so this was, this is in the 90s because it's got Clinton supports flying IDed in U.S. plane to peace talks. Uh, U.S. President Bill Clinton said there today he supported his envoy's decision to use a U.S. military aircraft to fly Somali General Mohamed Farah IDed to peace conference in Ethiopia. Um, smallest, fastest silicon device developed. A team of scientists has developed the smallest, fastest silicon device, which operates at room temperature and uses far less energy than today's chips. Chinese State Administration of Exchange Control adjusted and published 
the Renib the Renminbi exchange rates against the convertible currencies today. There are many changes in the rates. Bangladesh to send 43 athletes for South Asian Games. Asian women's soccer results. We won't go through that. Wow. I always knew Japan was good, but they beat the Philippines 15-0. Wow, that's a, that is a freaking hiding. Santa Fe de Bogota, the Medellin cartel has disappeared since its head Pablo Escobar was killed last Thursday. So this is about uh, the time that Escobar got whacked, it looks like. 17 million Colombians vote in 94 elections. So there you go. There's there's your year, 94. 17 million potential voters will cast ballots in the 94 elections. About 2 million more than previous elections. Uh, World Cup speed skating. We won't go through that. Dan Jansen, I remember him. He won. Uh, National Convergence candidate Rafael Caldera is leading in the Venezuelan presidential election. So again, I can see when you're reading things like that why the CIA would want to be covering that. Panamanian police seize weapons. Total of 326 pieces of weapons have been seized by the Metropolitan Police this year. Honecker on his deathbed. Santiago, the exiled former East German president Eric Honecker, was rushed to the Los Condes Clinic in the capital last night when his health conditions worsened. Russia, Kuwait to stage joint maneuvers. Three Russian naval vessels are headed for the Gulf, where they will hold joint exercises with Kuwait. Speed skating. Canadian synchronized swimmer. Ukraine sees fourth price rise in one year. Kiev, Ukraine raised its prices of food and other state-controlled commodities once again by a big margin today, the fourth rise in less than a year. And we all know how that leads to uh, instability. Shanghai citizens have better scientific training. Tennis will be missing from the doping accord. Ah, here's a New Zealand one here. New Zealand Maori to set up new political party. New Zealand's Maori Council have decided to launch a new political party to better represent the indigenous Maori people's interests, which they did. Argentina's wheat output to drop by 2 million tons. Wow, this is quite a long one. And Chilean pilots, technicians go on strike. Panama ranks first in world ships. Ship registration. Um, Colombian president rules out Escobar suicide. Fascinating stuff going on um, in 1994 in this first week of December, I can tell you. Um, okay, so now like here, see, they, they've got stuff in the major Indian newspapers. So it's like it's a little synopsis of each area in the world and kind of what's going on in those papers. Uh, one person killed, 18 injured in bomb explosions. Still haven't found the UFO uh, tie in here. Angolan capital of Luanda. Peace talks. UN peacekeeping troops in Macedonia, Belgrade, Yugo former Yugoslavia announced that it will hold a five-day military exercise, uh, Italian pole vaulter. What I'm going to do, folks, because I don't want to bore you to death with all this, because most of these have been kind of one-pagers or two-pagers, and this one is obviously more. So I'm just going to hit pause, and once I find Waldo, the UFO uh, file, then I'll come back and read it to you. One sec. Well, folks, I'm glad I did that and that I basically came back to you now because it is down at point 167, 166, 167 here. 
that's uh, how far down it is. But it is, I'm glad I found it because it is really interesting. So here we go. HKE Beijing, UFOs galore across Taiwan Straits. So obviously these are the straits between Taiwan or formerly Formosa and mainland China. Nearly 6,000 sightings of unidentified flying objects across the Taiwan Straits have been reported, said experts from the Chinese mainland in Taiwan here today. Some have defied rational explanation. And then it's got below another summation of the same thing. Just trying to see if there's any more on it. No. So that was in the Indian newspapers. And there is more down here, like uh, there's Egyptian newspapers. And there may very well be something else here. I'm just going to glance through this while I give you my thoughts on that one. So for years and years and years, when we, when I say we, I mean when my generation was growing up, we had the Iron Curtain with the USSR and Eastern Europe. So a lot of things that went on there we didn't find out about. And if you want to know a bit about that, go and listen to the episode I did on Veronia's, the UFO case there. And that case only came out in like, from the top of my head, 89 you know, kind of at the end of the Cold War. And there are so many cases like that, and there's plenty of them that I need to cover over from the former USSR and from Eastern Europe that we didn't hear about until decades later. Now, China is very much the same way. There are a lot of sightings in China. The, the problem with it is the same it was with the USSR. It wasn't just that you had the Iron Curtain, but you had a major language barrier. I mean, very few people in the U.S., can speak Russian, and I would say just as few can speak Chinese. Now, obviously, we've had Chinese migrants and that, but you take your average man off the street, and I bet you dollars to donuts that uh, the odds are they're not going to, you know, they may speak Spanish or they may speak uh, something a little bit else like French or German, but the odds of them speaking Chinese are going to be pretty slim. I'm just having a bit of a laugh here, folks, because I was scrolling through, and any time I see New Zealand, right, I've got to see it. So it says, man biting dog charged of cruelty. Here came a piece of real news in terms of professional news sense. A man in New Zealand did bite a dog, but the man was charged for cruelty. So, hey, he deserves it, the dumbass, going and biting a dog. Um, and so, like I say, I'm just scrolling through here to see if I can find anything else. But 6,000 sightings. As with so many of these, how long of a period was that? Was that from the time that uh, the nationalists went to Taiwan in 1949? Was that this year? Was it in recent years? You know what I'm saying? It's it's just pretty nuts that there were 6,000 sightings. And there are a lot of things in China that we don't get made privy to because of, like I say, a lot of it is because of the language barriers. And I've seen various things online about Chinese UFOs and that. And um, look, it's fascinating. I think that that is the next big kind of untapped resource is that Chinese field of ufology. There are some very, very old stories from China about UFOs and aliens way back hundreds and thousands of years. But then in modern times, like I say, you've got some really interesting cases. And I will be interested as more and more of these come out. So anyway, that one that I just did that was talking about the Taiwan Straits, 
That is document number eight. So now we're going to read document number nine. Okay, so former Joint Staff, Washington, D.C., former FBI's, London, U.K. So got some heavy hitters on here already. Just scrolling down. Country, USSR. Subject, strange roar precedes mysterious blast in Sasovo. Moscow, Tassin, English, 1303 GMT, 12th April, 1991. So just as the USSR was basically falling, folks. The end of the Cold War. Text, Sasovo, Ryzan region in central Russia, April 12th, TASS which um, I remember covering that in the Veronia's episode, and that's like basically the Russian newswire. Uh, a shattering explosion shook this small town in the heart of Russia shortly after midnight today, knocking out most windows and leaving some locals slightly injured by splintered glass. According to early reports, no one was seriously hurt by the mysterious blast, which took place just outside Sosovo in the Ryzan region at 1.30 a.m., those living in high-rises felt the building rock heavily, as if hit by an earthquake, but no damage typical of earth tremors was registered. The explosion, preceded by a strange roar, left a huge crater in a field one and a half kilometers from the town. The crater is 3.5 meters deep and 28 meters in diameter. Okay, so one and a half kilometers, that's one mile out of town. The crater is three and a half meters deep, so that's roughly uh, kind of... 10, 11 feet deep, and 28 meters in diameter, you're talking about close to 90 feet round. So this is significant. So the interesting thing here is you've got to ask yourself, was this a meteor strike? Was it similar to that case that we saw in Siberia where the meteor hit and everybody had these dash cams and it was all going off? It sounds very similar. And again, it just goes to show this... Okay, so this happened in 91, and this was released in 97. So even this, uh, basically six years after the fall of the Soviet Union, it still didn't get released. So it is interesting how many of these things are around. So again, that's document nine, if you want to know more about that, if you get a hold of me. Now, document 10. So this is going to be our lucky last for this episode. This one's going to be a bit harder to read. Assistant Director, Office of Operations. Uh, subject, Unidentified Flying Objects. The attached copies of letters addressed to the Director of Central Intelligence, okay, you piqued my interest because that's the big shot, have been passed to this office for preparation of appropriate responses. Two, the statements and inquiries made in these letters involve a number of rather critical patterns. It is important that our responses be carefully prepared. Three, accordingly, I would like to have your comments relative to the last two paragraphs on page three of Major Kehoe's letter. So they're talking about Donald Kehoe, who was involved in, I can't remember if it was Project Blue Book or Sign or Grudge, but he was definitely in, involved in these military investigations for the public. So anyway... Um, I would like to have your comments relative to the last two paragraphs on page three of Major Kehoe's letter as soon as possible. Any other comments or information that you consider pertinent would, of course, be appreciated. And uh, it's hard to see. 
something Scoville Jr. Now, again, hold on, my friends. We're going to see if we can find out who in the heck that is. Okay, so if this is the same person, and I'm not sure, but when I Googled it, this is the first thing that came up. Now, I've gone back and looked, and this is Herbert Scoville Jr. And when I Googled it, uh, it basically came up about a peace prize. The Herbert Scoville Jr. Peace Fellowship. So I went on the biography, and it says, Dr. Herbert Pete Scoville, a longtime nuclear arms control activist in both government and private life, devoted special attention to encouraging young people interested in arms control and disarmament issues. Okay, interesting. Involved with the CIA, but supposed to be a arms control advocate, which seems quite odd to me. Educated in science and physical chemistry, Dr. Scoville began his professional career working with the National Defense Research Committee, the Atomic Energy Commission, and the Department of Defense. Okay, so here we are. This is the man because it says during his tenure at the CIA from 1955 to 1963, Dr. Scoville was one of the original developers of the technology required for independent verification, an essential ingredient for arms control treaties. All right, so, interesting, very well-known person. V very quick Google search brought him up. And then it says here in the document, Assistant Director, Scientific Intelligence. Now, carrying on, okay, well, that is the end of that article. So it just got my whistle wet, and then, boom, finished. <laughs> but anyway, again, big name drop there, Major Donald Kehoe, who is... I mean, he's one of those people like Jesse Marcel. Uh, he is very much involved in this whole narrative of ufology. And I've learned about another person here and learning about Herbert Scoville Jr. So that is document 10 if you want to know more about that. Um, and I don't see any date. It looks like there was a date stamp there, but it's just not come through. It was probably old. It did say that it's approved for release on February 2010. So yeah, uh, interesting folks, and yet again, here we go, five documents, and I've found some real value in doing this, so I hope that you've enjoyed it. This one will come out, and I'm going to drop this over the weekend here, so you're going to get a little bit of an extra special bonus, uh, and then I'll probably do another one on the Wednesday, but we'll just see, because I've still got a lot of other stuff to get done. And I've been enjoying this so much, I've kind of gotten a bit more into this than I probably should have. I should have just been giving you one a week. But that's okay, because I'm enjoying it, and I hope that you're finding value in it. So like I say, if you want to know more about any of those documents, drop me a line, note the document number, and I'll do my best to tell you whatever I may know. Aside from that, everyone, stay safe, have a good week, have a good weekend, and I truly hope you have a great one, and we will talk again soon. You know how to get a hold of me if you want to get in touch. Take care, stay safe, and I'll talk to you soon.